you so much. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. You're going to hear me say that for a little while. Book of Ephesians as we uh, are beginning a, a study in Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. Uh, just so you'll kind of know, if you're not familiar with the geography, uh, Ephesus was on the west side of what was then Asia, known as Asia. And uh, it is now on the west side of what we know as Turkey. And uh, I was privileged to go there a number of years ago. I went on a trip to Turkey and Ukraine. And uh, we went to Ephesus, saw some of the ruins there. It was, uh, as I said last week, an important port city, a cosmopolitan city, kind of a melting pot. And it had an important church there as well. Last week we looked at the first two verses, which were, you know, as the salutation or the greeting. And we saw there that Paul identifies himself as an apostle, as his authority, by which he wrote this letter, that he was called by God to that position. Those were his credentials. He wrote this letter to these Christians in Ephesus who were faithful in Christ Jesus, and his wish for them was grace and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We pick up this morning, and we're going to be looking at verses verse 3, but I'm going to be reading verses 3 and 4. This is God's Word. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. Again, that is God's Word. Right. Heavenly Father, we ask again that you would be our instructor, our teacher. You promised to send the Holy Spirit to be our helper and to be our teacher. And so we pray that today the Holy Spirit would function in that role for us. That he would, as Jesus said, bring to our remembrance all that was spoken. That he would clarify your truth. He would apply it to our hearts and to our lives. He would cause us to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your word and use it this morning as the sword of the Spirit applied to our heart as our need becomes manifest and evident as we're exposed to your truth and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I were a teacher of Greek in the first century and Paul submitted Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 as an assignment for me to grade, I would have given him an F. Now, remember I said if I were a teacher of Greek, I would give him that grade because in the original language, those 12 verses are one long, complicated, cumbersome sentence. Now, for an old would-be English major who bristles at a split infinitive, that run-on sentence is just grammatically unacceptable. But if I were a teacher of theology in the first century, and Paul submitted Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 for me to grade, I would have given him an A+. Now these verses contain some of the most powerful some of the most profound and personally meaningful truths that we find anywhere in the Word of God. 
The first part of Ephesians chapter 1 is a wonderful description of God's plan of salvation and the rich blessings that are ours in Christ because of that wonderful plan that God has ordained for us and what God has done for us through his work of redemption. And this morning, as I said, I'm only going to focus on verse 3. And over the next several weeks, I'm going to be looking at this one long, complicated, cumbersome sentence that the Apostle Paul wrote. Now, the danger in doing that, and there is a danger. The danger is, in losing sight of the forest, as we say, for looking at the trees, the challenge I'm going to have is trying to keep the flow of the whole message of this passage, this sentence before you as we kind of dissect it and look at its individual part. Now you can approach Ephesians 1 in one of two ways, especially verses 3 through 14. And one of the ways you can look at it is from the perspective of the Trinity. And using that analysis, we would find the verses 3 through 6 focus upon the work of God the Father in salvation. Verses 7 through 11 focus on the work of God the Son in salvation. And verses or through 12, and then verses 13 and 14 deal with the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of God the Father is to plan or ordain our salvation. The work of God the Son is to accomplish our salvation. The work of the Holy Spirit is to apply our salvation. I know the right to look at it a second way is temporary. That is, to see our salvation all the way from eternity past to eternity future. This passage takes us all the way from God choosing a people for himself before the foundation of the world to the Lord Jesus Christ accomplishing that salvation in time and then to our great hope of heaven in eternity future. I'm not so sure you have to choose one or the other, either the Trinitarian or the temporal. Because Paul here is simply taking great delight. And the wonder of God's great plan of salvation that clearly runs from eternity past to eternity future, and in which each person of the Trinity is actively involved. This whole section really is a, is a song of praise to God for the wonder and the glory of his salvation, which he has planned and accomplished for us, and the rich blessings that come to us as that plan unfolds. You know, we began this morning singing the glory of Patri. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. It really reflects the theme of this passage in Ephesians 1, where Paul is giving praise to God the Father, to God the Son, and to God the Holy Spirit for this great gift of salvation. Now, verse 3 sets the tone of blessing for us. And you see that clearly because you look at verse 3, the word blessing or blessed is used three times in that one verse. And so, you know, we all like to be blessed, we enjoy blessing. So let's see what Paul has to say about that in verse 3 this morning. First of all, however, we see our blessing 
on God. And normally, when we think of blessings, we think of God's blessings on us, don't we? Now, we're certainly going to get there this morning. But Paul begins by focus on the way that we bless God. You know, the Psalms, many of them are all about blessing God. Using that word, others are about praising God. We read one of those this morning in our unison reading of Scripture. Psalm 103 begins this way. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that's in me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits. Psalm 104 begins the same way. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. And that's the way Paul begins this kind of psalm or song of praise to God. He begins in verse 3 saying, Blessed be God, or more specifically, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now again, remember what this section is all about. The focus is completely on our salvation. And I want you to notice when when Paul begins to talk about the wonder and the glory of salvation, where does he begin? He begins with God. The focus in salvation is completely on praising God, worshiping God, thanking God, adoring God for what He has done in ordaining, accomplishing and applying his salvation to our hearts. Paul's perspective, if you'll allow me to say it again, Paul's perspective is completely vertical. It is something God ordained, something God planned, something God did, and something God accomplished for us. So often, I'm afraid, when we talk about salvation, our focus is not vertical. But our focus is horizontal. We do not dwell so much many times on what God has done to accomplish our salvation as much as we do on what we have done to receive His salvation. We say things like, I came to Jesus or I found the Lord. What is the common word in both those phrases? Word I. Oh, that's not the key word in the Bible. <laughs> the key word in the Bible is God. God did it. You know, people say, well, I found the Lord. Did you? Did you? I didn't know God was lost. The Bible says we're lost. And if you're a Christian this morning, it's because God found you. And God called you to himself, and he brought you and gave you the ability through His grace to embrace salvation by faith. That's why Paul begins where he does. Blessed be God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. All praise, all glory, and all honor is due to Him because of your salvation. Well then second, we do see in this verse God's blessings on us. It begins with our blessing on God, and then 
God's blessing on us, you've got to keep it, keep it in the right order. You know? We bless God, why? Because he blessed us. Our blessing of God is a response to who he is and to what he's done for us. And that's what Paul says here. Blessed be God who has blessed us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Now I want you to notice the tense of the verb there. Paul says it with confidence and with assurance. This is not a prayer for God's blessing. This is a declaration of God's blessing. God has blessed us. Think of of it. The eternal God. The sovereign king who's created all that there is has chosen to bless us. King of kings, Lord of lords, God of heaven and earth has decided to pour out his blessing on us. Blessed be God, Paul says, who has blessed us. Think of it this way. If you are a Christian this morning, you are a blessed person. You have been blessed beyond measure. But always keep again in the proper perspective here. We bless God because he has blessed us. God's blessings are real. We enjoy them. We experience them. We have them. We use them. But notice in the text the kind of blessing that Paul is talking about. These are spiritual blessings. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Now again, let's be honest. When we, when we, when we think, when I think about, let me personalize, when I think about blessing, you know what my mind goes to first? To my thing my stuff, to my family. You know, we think of God's blessing so often in terms of tangible things, the material or temporal blessings he bestows on us. Now, those are real blessings. They're real blessings. And God promises to provide them for us. You know, Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, don't worry about the necessities of life, like what you're going to eat or drink or what you're going to wear. God's going to take care of all that. He's going to provide for you. He provides for the, 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 the birds in the sky. You know, I like, to, I like to feed the birds. I think I'm doing them a favor. They don't need me. They don't need my, my food that I've put out in these feeders. I'm going to take care of the birds. And Jesus said, just as your Heavenly Father takes care of them, He's going to take care of you too. Paul said, My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and mercy and glory. These blessings are real and we use them, we enjoy them. But, but here in, in this verse, Ephesians 1 3, Paul's talking about the spirit. Well, what are those? Spiritual blessings. What are the opposite, really, of. Temporal blessings. Our temporal blessings serve our body. 
spiritual blessings. Serve ourselves. And, and many of these spiritual blessings are intangible. You can't see them. You can't touch them. You can't hear them. But you have them. You experience them. They're real to you. For example, they are the grace and peace that Paul mentioned back in verse 2. Their love and joy, faith, hope, gift. For all kinds of spiritual blessings. I would submit to you this that the difference between, one of the main differences between a temporal blessing and a spiritual blessing is that a spiritual blessing can't be taken away. If, if the reason that you bless God or the reason for you praising God is only based upon your temporal blessing, there may come a day when you don't have so very much for which to bless Him or to praise Him because temporal blessings are transitory. They come and they go If the stock market plunges, we're going to realize that a lot of us in a real way, aren't we? Material blessings are things upon which we depend and many times in which we put our trust and find our joy are temporal. Spiritual blessings. Always. They can't be away. And that means that if you find your joy there, if your source of blessing God is in them, you will always have reason for joy, always have call to praise God and to bless Him. These spiritual blessings are things that minister to our souls. They're given to us as a gift of God's grace applied to our hearts by the work of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want you to miss one little but very important word in this verse, and that is the word Every. God has blessed us, the text says, with every spiritual blessing. Every spiritual blessing is available to every believer. That means every spiritual blessing that comes from God is available to you. All of them are for all of us. I mentioned last week that several times in this passage, and in Ephesians, Paul talks about the riches of Christ. The riches of His glory, the riches of His grace, the unfathomable riches of Christ, he calls them. I said it then and I'll say it again today. All those riches can be yours. Every bit of the unfathomable riches Christ can be yours. God freely bestows them on us. He doesn't hold any of them back. As Paul says here, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Then notice the location of those blessings. He says these are blessings that are in the heavenly places or come from the heavenly places. What does that mean? Well, as believers, we belong to two kingdoms, don't we? We are citizens of an earthly kingdom. We are citizens of the United States of America. And we are obligated to keep 
the laws of this country were for citizens. But we also belong to a heavenly kingdom where Jesus Christ is Lord and King. We have a God-given responsibility to obey the laws of that kingdom too. Many times that's why we feel a bit of a tension in our lives because we belong to two kingdoms. That's why sometimes, folks, let's be honest, it's, it's more difficult to be a Christian than a non-Christian because Christians don't have that structure. You know, they just give themselves to this world. Take everything they can from this world. They're not concerned about the other place, the other kingdom, the requirements, the obligations laid upon us by that heavenly kingdom. You flip over, we're going to kind of to Philippians just one second. Next book over, Philippians chapter 3, and verse 20. Notice what Paul says. He says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you go to Colossians chapter 3, he builds on that. Verses 1 and 2 of Colossians 3 says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. Those heavenly blessings, or those blessings in the heavenly places, Paul calls them here in Colossians 3, the things that are above. You see, God blesses us with heavenly blessings. I've given my, my sermon this morning that title, Heavenly Blessings. Aren't those the blessings we want more than any other? We, we sang earlier, there shall be showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. Mercy drops, rounders are falling, but for the showers we plead. We plead for God's blessing. When you sing that hymn, kind of blessings probably more blessings of more stuff blessing is of more things you can get another storage building put it there keep it look at it every two years make sure it's still there are you asking pleading for the spiritual blessing the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the gentleness, the self-control that come to us through the work of the Holy Spirit. These are heavenly blessings. They come from the heavenly places and minister to our, to our soul. And then I want you, in conclusion, to look at the, the source of those blessings. Paul says these blessings are ours in Christ. Of course, you understand the heavenly places in, in Christ go together because heaven is where Christ is. And these spiritual blessings come to us from the heavenly places and they come to us through our, our relationship with Jesus Christ. I mentioned last week that this whole phrase of being in Christ or in Him is so important to the Apostle Paul. He uses it 164 times in his life. He uses it a number of times in the book of Ephesians. I think I said last week, there are 11 references to being in Christ or in Him just in the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1. 
We are in Christ. If you are a believer this morning, you are in Christ. You see, theologically we call that our union with Christ. Where when we are, are called to faith by the Holy Spirit and given a new heart and praise Christ for salvation, there is this mystical, wonderful union with Christ that you enjoy as a believer. The righteousness of Christ becomes your righteousness. The power of Christ becomes your power. The riches of Christ become your riches. I want you to look with me again at Philippians. Uh, let's go to chapter 3. Philippians 3. Where, where Paul is talking about his own personal testimony. Let me start in verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, this is Paul's testimony. He's just talked about all that he had as a, a Jewish leader. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish, that I, so that I may gain Christ. And maybe what? Found in Him. Paul's testimony is threefold, isn't it? He, he said, I want to know Christ. I want to gain Christ. I want to be found in Christ. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have this, this sense of being one with Him. Our spiritual blessings come to us because of our relationship by grace, through faith, with Jesus Christ. Now, I, I've kind of chopped this verse up this morning. So as I conclude, I want to kind of take a step back and, and kind of look at the whole. What does Paul say? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Don't miss it. God has blessed us. As believers, we are a blessed people. It's not a question of if, it's a matter of that. God has blessed His people. And He's given to us every spiritual blessing possible. He hasn't held one of them back. Every blessing of God is available for you. Every blessing that will minister to your soul and help you to know Christ and grow in your relationship with Him. Every spiritual blessing is available to you. Those are rich, heavenly blessings. God opens the windows of heaven to allow it to come pouring down upon you. He's lavished you with His love and with His blessing. Those blessings are secure for you because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, the richest spiritual blessing you have is your salvation. And as this chapter unfolds through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is going to tell the wonderful story of your salvation, of how it came about and how it came to be yours. And I know that will lead you 
to bless God and praise Him even though I thank you so much for your word it's so rich just this one verse has so much about the way we bless you because you blessed us and how your blessings are rich and manifold and many and spiritual in nature how you give them to us freely and how they come to us in Christ probably encourage us with that understanding today. Help us to go away from this place knowing that we are blessed people. Blessed beyond measure because of who you are and what you've done for us. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.